everyone. Welcome back to the Entry Level Podcast, where we talk about entry-level experiences in many forms. Careers, relationships, business, side hustles, money, travel, and so much more. We believe if you're always learning and growing, then you will always be entry-level at something. I'm Sarah Dudley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindsay Bernard. And we're talking this month about career paths that may seem non-traditional. It is becoming more common and more accepted for our generation to break out of the mold of the nine to five to follow their passions and create their own path towards the things that allow them to make a greater impact. With us today to talk about one of those paths is Kristen Daniele. Kristen is currently a business owner, motivational mentor and speaker, soulful retreat facilitator, and community builder. Kristen also received her MBA from Endicott in 2013. She has 10 years of corporate experience between real estate, franchise operations, and project management, as well as business development within higher education. As you can probably tell, she has done a lot across many different spaces. Kristen left behind the corporate world for the last time this past April to launch her business, Souls on the Rise. We're going to talk on this episode about what motivated her to do that, what it's been like on both sides, and also why she decided to do a solo trip around Europe. So much to unpack here, and that was not a pun that I intended to have. (laughs) So welcome, Kristen. We're excited to have you here. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Awesome. Awesome. So Kristen, let's kick this off a little bit by having you tell us a little about your background and what led you to Souls on the Rise. Absolutely. So I think it's kind of interesting because I always like to say that I'm the most unconventional conventionalist because I sort of spent a lot of time or many times dipping my toes in only to kind of run right back out. Although I always in my heart knew that I had an entrepreneurial spirit and that I did want to create my own life that would allow myself both time and financial freedom, ability to have the flexibility in my life that I had wanted and the ability to sort of do the things that I wanted without having to answer to someone else and be my own boss. But nonetheless, I still sort of did the things that I thought that I was supposed to do. So I still received the degrees. I still went on to get my master's. I still spent many years within the corporate realm trying out different things, which I still feel that they were all beneficial. And I learned a lot from each and every opportunity that I did have, which is amazing. But I always sort of knew in my heart that there was a better, more fulfilling way of life that lived just on the other side of here. I never agreed with the notion of working hours on end is what made you successful or happy. And so I I knew that I wanted to do my own thing, but I wasn't necessarily sure what that looked like for me, especially early in my 20s. So it, it took a lot of trial and error to get to where I am today. But nonetheless, all of it was worthwhile and conducive to where I am today. Yeah, I love that. I love that story and kind of what you said about being a conventional, what was it, the most unconventional conventionalist? Yeah, I love that. And I also love how you said, 
you know, you did all the things you were supposed to do. You went to college, you got your MBA, you went into the corporate world. What made you feel like that was what you what you had to do or what you were supposed to do? Was it just the culture that we live in? Was it your parents? Is, was, is there any, what were some of those forces that made you feel that way? Because I think it's probably a very common feeling that a lot of our audience and our generation has. Yeah, I think a lot of it was I spent a lot of years kind of relying on external validation and thinking that I had to fit a certain mold or be a certain type of person, whether it was what I looked like or whether it was what I chose to do with my time or whether it was my career path. And I I cared a lot. I did. I cared a lot about what other people thought um, and what their opinions were. And to be honest, I wasn't really around a lot of supportive people that really encouraged me to, to dream big or to be able to voice yeah. my dreams out loud. And, and so I never really felt like I could engage in those conversations in an open and supportive environment. And so it sort of discouraged me off the yeah. bat from talking about it and kind of withdraw and go internally and, and then just kind of keep that to myself and just say, oh, well, maybe I am a little bit crazy for thinking this way. Yeah, I think I think what you said about having people around you that are supportive and that you can have those conversations with, like Sarah and I talk about this all the time, that there are just certain people that you connect with on like a intellectual work level, social level. And if you just don't have positive people around that you can kind of figure things out with, it just, it really makes it hard to kind of work through things, whether it's jobs or anything else. No, absolutely. And I think a community is a massive, 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 excuse me, piece in getting to where you want to go. I truly believe that community is one of the most important catalysts and taking us from where we are into where we want to go. And when we feel that we are in an environment where we are seen, heard, and valued for our authentic selves, for exactly who we are, then we're able to actually tap into our power and use our imagination and dream our big dreams and feel supported. And when we're not encouraged and supported, sometimes we tend to go the opposite way. And it takes a lot of time to, to get to that place. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And if so, if if you were kind, you kind of weren't talking to to a lot of people. You said you were you were internalizing a lot of things. What was was there an event that was kind of the last straw that made you say, "Okay, I'm done with this," or was it just kind of what I mean? Or were you just one day like there was no event? You just decided to kind of do it. No, it's actually kind of interesting because I had gone through. I think years of this transition where it had been happening sort of in my late 20s, probably around 27, where things just started to to change for me. And I felt like I wasn't supported in my friendships and in certain areas of my life. And I was really starting to, to seek that. And I found that I was doing it a lot with fitness, for example, like I was working out seven days a week and sort of trying to find ways to uncover that loneliness, I guess, that I was feeling and and I was taking it out in different ways again. And then I finally got to a place in my life where I think turning 30 was one of the things that really hit me, where it was like, I had the option of putting my childhood on a shelf and saying, "Eh, it's too late for me, or I could just kind of go for it and give it everything that I had, take failure off the table and really kind of start building that life that I had always envisioned for myself, regardless of whether I had the support behind me and just trusting in myself and knowing that I could get to that place if I made the commitment and if I trusted and believed in myself and where I was going. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that's something that probably resonates with a lot of people as you get older and you start questioning the choices you've made and the education you've gotten. I think similarly, as when I was growing up, like my dad would say, you can be whatever you want to be. You could be a lawyer or a doctor. But it was such a narrow, it was like almost a narrow vision. It's it's like those traditional, well-paying jobs that are going to give you that that status and the, the salary that society kind of sees as the type of careers to aspire to for kids, lawyers and doctors and, and anything, anything in money or investment banker type of thing. But nobody, a lot of times, children, if they're not taught, you can truly be anything you want to be, even if it's not money chasing or or something in a traditional type of field that you would hear about normally, especially I think as our generation has gotten older, our our career paths are totally breaking the mold of things that we traditionally would have been taught our careers because of the internet and because of the opportunities available online too. I mean, I know so many people and I follow a lot of people who have completely online businesses and that was yeah. not something that was available when we were kids. So the opportunities have truly are truly unfolding. And I think the more our generation sits back and reflects on what they're doing and whether they're happy in what they're doing or whether they followed a path just because, I think a lot of people are starting to feel a little bit of, of that like dissonance with with their dreams and where they're currently sitting in an office or whatever it is they're doing on a daily basis. So I think that's really, it's a great point. And so you talked a little bit about community too, Kristen. Can you talk a little bit about the community that you're starting to build? I think you said that you noticed there was a gap or you felt a gap in your own life. So what did you do about it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And just one point before I did lead into that, that I thought you brought, you, excuse me, you brought up a great point is it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive either. We're sort of taught that we can either do what we love and not make a lot of money or make a lot of money and not really love what we do. And I, I truly, through my experience, have learned that they're not mutually exclusive and we can, in fact, have both. It does take a little bit more work, the road less traveled, and I'm not saying that the entrepreneurial path is easier by any stretch of the imagination, but I do believe that we can have both. It just does take some grit, some resiliency and determination, but you can, in fact, have both. Yeah, and I think that's a message that wasn't taught to our generation or probably the generations before us. It's it's one it was always one or the other, I think. Like either you make money or you'll follow your dream and maybe you'll be one of the few lucky ones who make money, but probably not. So you should probably go the safe route. Be a business major. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And I, I think that that's part of why I got my MBA. It was like my plan B. I, in my head, it was like, well, if my endeavors do not work out, well, then I have this to fall back on. Yeah, totally get that. That was I was a psych and a business major in college, and I did business because I was like, well, I'll always need business at some level. <laughs> and then I got my MBA too. So totally, literally, probably I, we've talked a little bit about how many similarities we have, and I think <laughs> that's definitely one of them. So uh, absolutely. Wait, so so I'm, I wanted to hear a little bit more about um, souls on, souls on the rise. What's going on with that, and, and, and a little bit about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest pieces for me is that in-person connection. I really value the virtual connection. I think it's very powerful. But imagine what can come from taking it offline and plugging into a supportive community where you're in a sacred space, where you're able to be able to connect with like-minded people who are on a similar path. They're doers, they're dreamers, they're change makers. They may be in transition, so they may still be working in corporate America. They may just be starting a business. They may be already an entrepreneur, but providing them a safe and sacred space where they're able to connect with others who are on a similar journey, but then also go from where they are to where they want to be, whether that's through workshops and events or whether it's through a retreat. But it's it's something where my, my vision is big. So I had to kind of start somewhere and I wanted to start by building an organic community where we were able to connect offline and in person. So I started with weekly connections or meet a meeting of the mind, if you will, where individuals were able to just come and connect with others and talk about things that were going on in the world and, and what our part could be in sort of making a positive impact and using our voice to spread that message and to be able to come together as a community and help each other get to where we want to go. Yeah, I think that's something that's definitely underplayed in a lot of, I think, a lot of companies in a lot of career paths. It's one of those things, and I kind of see it sometimes in where I work too. It's There's so much focus on productivity and getting work done and, and all of the things that will help enable that. And there's very little focus on, but how do you kind of bring out your best self? And then some of these tactics that you yeah. talk about, those are ways that can ultimately lead to bigger goals and, and increased productivity and all those things. But it's such an underplayed, valued skill to have is to be able to bring people together, to talk about things, to get them thinking and and the idea of like being more creative. People think, and as somebody who works in a creative field, sitting at a desk all day is not where I'm going to have my most creative moments, right? <laughs> and so this yeah. type of stuff where you get people together and everyone's talking about different ideas and kind of concepts and all of that, whether it's, you know, to further their own goals or to help other people, I think it's a really powerful environment to be in for, you know, you, no matter what you're interested in. Do you find that you get people from really varied backgrounds coming to retreats and workshops? Absolutely. And it's actually kind of interesting because when I created this, it was for men and women. And that's why it was more of like souls on the rise, not women rising or anything along those lines. I really wanted to keep the platform open. I wanted to speak to the hearts of whomever felt that way, who sort of had the call to more or felt a little bit like, well, I should be happy because I have all of these things, but something seems to be missing in my life and I'm not quite sure what it is. And then they're able to come to an event and feel, wow, this is exactly what I've needed. So I've had men that have come and and left saying, wow, I didn't even realize that I needed that in my life. And then I had that. And now I want to keep coming back. And I also have older women that have come in their 60s to events. So it's it's kind of interesting because your tribe can come in many forms and many sizes or shapes and backgrounds and socioeconomic background. So it's really kind of awesome to see how many people were searching for this. And I think it's one of those things that inspired this for me is create the things you wish existed. And I was searching for that belonging and for that place where I could be exactly who I was. And until I sort of had that, it was harder for me to feel that I could accomplish it. And then 
Additionally, what collective minds can dream up, solve and accomplish is beyond what we'd ever be able to do on our own. And that's a big piece of Souls on the Rise is the idea of collaboration and being able to connect with one another. And I'm able to shine in my genius and you're able to shine in your genius. And we're able to come together now and create even more magic and more momentum and more impact. Yeah, I think it's that collective effort, right? That one person with one idea is great, but then you get people together. And even that one person with one idea is it's going to, they're going to feel more inspired with this group of people around them than if they're just on their own. And then also on top of that, they get a collection of other ideas or people who can give different perspectives on top of it. So it's definitely, I feel like there's just like a kinetic energy around that type of tribe, that type of community. And well, do you, do you find that, do you find that college kids come? Because when you were at the beginning of what you were just saying, I was thinking like, I feel like these would have been probably helpful, like senior year of college when you're confused, figuring out what you want to do. And if you want to take that year off, if you want to go right to work and, I was always around, like I had three friends who were accounting majors and we kind of went through together and we all fired each other up about doing certain jobs and stuff. But I mean, it was pretty limited. Like everyone definitely didn't get experience. So I'm wondering, do you get college kids? Would you ever think about moving this to campuses or anything like that? Oh, no, absolutely. And so the vision is so big that I wanted to sort of start somewhere. It's one of those things that you get paralyzed in inaction when you focus so much on the big, big picture. Um, And that's been one of the challenges for me is sort of scaling it back to say, well, where can I start? Because if I don't ever start, then I'm never actually going to gain momentum. And so that was a really powerful thing that happened in my life. It was like, okay, I need to be taking imperfect, messy, massive, aligned action to get to to that big goal. And so, yes, absolutely. And um, college students are one of my targets and even even younger than 20s. Um, I'm in high schools right now. And as well as I would like to eventually get into middle schools, because I do believe that we need to be empowered well before our 20s. We need to be having these brave conversations and talking about these things so that people do feel comfortable and they feel like they're not alone because they aren't alone. And also one of the things to that I did want to mention is the idea of being able to connect with one another in person is a really big piece of my mission because as much as, again, the online world is great, I do believe that it does foster a sense of loneliness. And I mean, if you look at everything that's going on in the world today, but there's a rise in depression, there's a rise in anxiety, all of these things that are going on. And one of the things that can alleviate that is a supportive and sacred space where you can be who you are and have that ability to kind of talk about that stuff way before you hit 30. Because I would have loved to have this or souls on the rise when I was going through all of this, especially in my 20s, before I hit 30. And I didn't at least have access to it. So it very well could have been out there, but I didn't have access to it. So I do believe that it is very crucial to be in college campuses. And even before that, communities such as this to be able to inspire and empower people to take action in their lives that feel the most aligned with what they truly desire and what they want. Yeah, I think your point on the increase in anxiety is huge. And and it's something that I feel like we keep hearing a lot more about. And you see it in younger generations, this idea that they need to perform, that they always need to be on their A game, especially with social media and the impact that that's having on the younger generations, this constant pressure to, to measure up. And so having opportunity in a community where they can 
get better a better sense of their direction and their future path i think is is going to be an incredible an incredibly valuable opportunity for students and kids and and anybody really i mean i'm i'm in the same boat Lindsay and i we both turned 30 this year too and i think you know you start <laughs> reflecting more on this type of stuff and it sounds like you've had an amazing journey so far and it, it's been just under a year i think that you've been doing this full time is that right Yes, absolutely. It was April when I left behind my corporate job. Is there, has there been any learnings from that or um, I guess? And didn't you mention you went to Europe? Oh, yeah. So Europe was when I was 26. So that was right. Yeah, that was in 2013, right after I graduated from my MBA program. I was working as a project manager for a management company that ran and operated about 70 Dunkin Donut locations. And it hit me one day and I was just like, well, the time is now or never. Can't be waiting for the perfect time or the perfect person to go with. I need to just do it. And I booked my flight there and I booked my flight home and everything in between was sort of up to whatever happened and I was completely open. I had no rigid plan in mind. Um, and I just allowed myself the opportunity to explore all the different countries. I had 17 countries in mind when I went and then I ended up seeing 11 and I ended in Iceland and flew home from there. Oh, I went, that's awesome. I went, I've been to Iceland. I liked it. No, that's awesome. It's, it's, I meet a lot, when I go to Europe, I meet a lot of people traveling alone. It's a lot of people do it. It's a, and they absolutely. I I loved traveling alone, and one of the biggest things for me is I'm. I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser. I think a lot of us are. (laughs) But I when I when I went abroad, it was really my opportunity because I didn't go with anybody that I knew, and it was really my opportunity to say to myself every single day, what does Kristen want to do today? And it was really like different than my normal life when I was back at home because I was always thinking about other people and what was going to make everyone else happy. And to be able to get up each day and to have complete control over what I wanted to do and really listen to myself and really see what it is that I wanted, it was really crucial for me in learning to to cultivate that connection with myself and really trust my intuition and really do what set my soul on fire and what made me happy as opposed to always trying to do what I thought was going to make everybody else happy. Yeah. I feel like it's like your trip is almost like a microcosm of life, right? (laughs) Like you decided to just take this time and take like this time capsule of time and just do you know, whatever felt right. Like you kind of just roved with wherever you wanted to go. You had like a kind of an idea of, of where you were headed and what direction you wanted to go, you know, your next city or whatnot, but you kind of left it up. It sounds like you kind of just left it up to not to fate necessarily, but kind of just let your intuition guide you and, and what you were feeling, what you weren't feeling. And as you went through the trip, Absolutely. And I think, I think too, like an important piece is not being too rigid in your planning because it actually does allow for you to be open to opportunities and for life to happen and for spontaneity. And it really does open the doors for so many other possibilities that you would have never imagined. Yeah. Can you give us um, a quick snapshot of what your retreats are like? I think you said, are are you doing the first one soon or have you guys done one already? What, uh, yeah. Tell us more about that. So the first, yeah, it's coming up this spring in April in Sedona, which is amazing if you've never been to Sedona. 
it's truly beautiful there. And, and really, so it's, it's an immersive trip. So we're going to spend some time in nature, some time at the house, getting to know one another, building community, and really just kind of going within and getting to know, you know, yourself on, on a deeper level and, and really looking to heal and try to, again, ask yourself why you're doing the things that you're doing. Because I do believe sometimes we subconsciously walk through life without really asking ourselves, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Like, is it for a paycheck? Is it for X, Y, Z? And really getting to know and getting curious about why we're doing the things that we're doing and leaning into the discomfort and taking failure off the table and really being able to to learn to trust your intuition. And I think that that's sort of a process too. It doesn't just happen overnight, but being able to be in a space in an environment with people that are allowing you to cultivate that is very, very important. And then also being in a really beautiful place in Sedona. It's one of the spiritual meccas, if you will. And it's, it's a really beautiful and awesome space. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. It sounds incredible. That sounds like a great time. I'd, I'd sign me up for the next one, please. <laughs> and how about, uh, what was I going to ask? I think this has been an awesome conversation. I, I, w- I will ask one more before we go into our last segment. Is there anything, I think a lot of people are probably wondering, you know, from leaving the corporate world to doing, following your dream and your passion, what you're doing, have there been any bumps in the road or moments where you've been like, this was the wrong choice for me? Or do you feel like you've ever since you've made the leap, it's felt like the right thing. Absolutely. And I think I spent years sort of relying, like I said, on people, places and things to kind of help me uncover what I was seeking. And once I finally started to go inward and cultivate that relationship with myself and really ask myself what I wanted out of life, you know, what is going to matter to me when I'm 80 years old? Like, what is the most important? And for me, living a life of purpose and impact and being able to serve others, and being able to wake up every day before my alarm clock and be excited for the day is important to me. And that doesn't mean that it hasn't come without challenges because I feel like it's a roller coaster being an entrepreneur. Like one day it's, it's high and the next day it's sort of like, okay, well, where am I going to go from here? But I think it's consistent action each day and keeping the bigger picture in mind, especially for me. Like I said, I haven't even scratched the surface of what my bigger vision is. So being able to keep that bigger vision in mind, but also taking the small daily steps each day and habits to get me there has been really important. Yeah. So I do believe that, you know, if the dream is in your heart, it's there for a reason and following it is really important. Yeah, no, I think that's probably a statement that many entrepreneurs would echo that that feeling of some great days and some not so great days. And you just keep going because you, have, you just have a belief in what you're doing and, and the end result and knowing that it's it's bigger and better than than the alternative and going back to the life that you didn't feel was right for you. So I, I think that's great. Lindsay, I think it's is it time for our our closing our closing segment? <laughs> Yeah, and next time we do one of these, we're going to have a name for it. We're, we're in the process of thinking of a name. But so we thought it would be a good one today would be if all of a sudden you woke up and you had unlimited money, what would you do with it? Would you like, would you quit your job? Would you move? Just like what would be your next step? So uh, Kristen, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so if I had unlimited money, then I would already be going after the big picture for Souls on the Rise. And that is a physical space. And essentially, it would be a physical fitness center, but for personal and professional development. So it would be like your one-stop shop to come and sort of hit all of the, the boxes. So it wouldn't be just a co-working space. 
it wouldn't be just a networking event. It wouldn't be just a support group. It would sort of be all of that and more. So sort of the place to turn your dreams into action and have that accessibility to community and things like that. So I would buy that warehouse and get to work on the DIY stuff and building that into the dream that I have it, that I can see so clearly in my head (laughs) without having to go to the investors to do it and kind of have that all being built from the ground up. Yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Sarah? Yeah. So I think the very first thing I would do if I had unlimited fun suddenly is I would do the trip. I would do the big around the world tour type of thing because it's just something that I love doing and I just don't feel like I've had the opportunity to do enough of it yet. And so I would probably do that and just and really do like a full on travel mode for like a year, maybe. And then after that, when I'm ready to like, you know, actually <laughs> settle down again, then I would probably do something kind of similar, Kristen, in, in the fact that I would, that big passion and goal of mine, and I would do something bigger with it. I don't know exactly what it would look like, but, um, you know, giving back to the communities and to, and helping kids from, from like unfortunate circumstances or kids like how I grew up and helping them get that edge. So I think if, if there was like a, a passion of mine that I would follow, if I had unlimited funds, that would be, that would probably be the direction I would go. What about you, Lindsay? <laughs> well, I quit my job <laughs> first thing in the morning. Um, and then I would, I want to buy a bar and I've talked about this for years. So it's not that for people who know me, it's not that big of a surprise. <laughs> I want to buy a dive bar with my two friends and run it with my two friends, Meredith and Evan. And we want it to be like Daisy Buchanan's used to be like kind of the underground bar. But we're going to Oh be- my God. Yes. Yeah, I don't, we were like so upset when they closed it. And so we like always wanted to bring that back and we, but we're going to name it J tree because c- of Joshua tree and all. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the plan. So, and we're only going to have like three good, th- we're going to have like four good things on the menu. Just like simple, like not crazy, but then up the ham stairs, cheese, pickle sandwich, yeah, ham cheese, pickle sandwich wings. But then we, I want to be able to walk up the stairs from Daisy and then like somewhere around the corner, actually invest and buy like a, a nice restaurant that I envision someone who competed on top chef would run. So that's what, so then it like takes away all my activities that I like now and my shows. So I feel like that would be my dream come true. I I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys are a little bit more more, um, (laughs) proactive, like help, help the world than I am. But I think the date opening Daisy Buchanan's again would be good. That helps the world. Got to keep everyone well fed. So I just have a question. Where can people find information on these uh, seminars and just information on the work, the workshops and things yeah, like that? Yeah, so basically people can email me at Kristen at soulsontherise.com. I do have a website, www.soulsontherise.com. And then Instagram and Facebook, all of that stuff. But I'm really trying to, I try to utilize the social platforms with a call to action. So to meet me at a workshop or to come to an event or a retreat, something along those lines. Because like I said, I really do value the in-person connection more than anything. And I think it, it truly does foster growth and support and help you on your journeys. Awesome. All right. Well, I think this has been a fantastic conversation, Kristen. Thank you for sharing with us your story and your background and, and more about what you do with Souls on the Rise. So you already shared where people can find you. So that's awesome. You guys can also follow us or find us on Instagram at Entry Level Podcast. So thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you soon.